wasn't any research available and you were at the very early stages of I guess of what you know some people call customer discovery how did you make the a convincing case to people to to back the organization whether it was with friends and family angels VC whatever how what, what kind of what was your what was your pitch to them given that there was very little information about the addressable market yeah well we took a similar approach to what I believe the story Uber told in the early days, which was if someone asked you 10 years ago, what's the total addressable market for people booking transportation through an app and then having that vehicle come to you and take you to another point, what would it be? And the answer is zero. We're close to it, right? And uh -huh. so what you have to do is you've got to flip the question and say, well, wait a second. It's not what's the total addressable market for what exists today. It's what is the problem you're trying to solve and how many dollars can you bring into that industry? Um, and so for us, we looked at two things. One was this notion of ancillary revenue is on the rise. And again, look back six years, seven years, eight years ago, where ancillary market was just starting to flourish. And of course, it's now such, you know, a core um, uh, value creator or, or a revenue driver for basically any airline in the world, right? It's a necessity these days. And then it was just starting to become a big thing, you know, this, this larger thinking of unbundling, so to speak. So, so we looked at that. And then we also looked at what are travelers already paying in the airport to try and recreate or create a similar experience to what you'd get in a lounge anyway. So things like how much are travelers spending on a meal or at the bar or at a spa, you know, so, so restaurants, wine bars, um, uh, spas, uh, even like day use hotel rooms, these types of options where they're trying to recreate what you get in the lounge, um, as well as what's the current volume going through airport lounges today? How are people valuing that, uh, that visitation if you were to break it away from, uh, uh, unbundle it, so to speak, from, from say a business or a first class ticket? Uh, and what would travelers be willing to pay in order to get that experience if they're not flying first or business class or don't have elite status, i.e. don't have uh, that credential or that, that existing access today. Yeah. And it was, it was very rough math because, again, it's just making an educated guess with what's available to you and then doing your best to try and prove that theory. I, so what's interesting about that answer is that I feel like um, you obviously never really got to some of those other options. Um, you, you mentioned a bunch of things other than airport lounges. Um, how, I think, did you, were that, was that really part of the launch plan at any point or was it kind of always like, well, this is what the market could be and it was mostly done for investors and in raising that big round of funding, but, you know, really internally at Lounge Buddy, you guys kind of thought of it more like, okay, well, that's a big, big vision. We probably will never get there. We're mostly just focusing on lounges. Um, how, how much of that was kind of more for the investors and how much of it was really kind of a, a real plan? 
Well, investors always want to hear not just what are you working on tomorrow, but what are you working on three years, five years, 10 years from now? How is this not going to be just a really good business, but a huge business? And um, even when we first set out to build and launch Lounge Buddy, we always knew that the underlying goal was to help travelers have a great airport experience. Now, fortunately, airport lounges solve for the majority of travelers' pain points and can help create that great experience. But in some airports or under some circumstances, that is not the case. And so that mission evolves slightly to matching the traveler's needs with the right airport experience. And we started doing that actually beyond airport lounges um, before the acquisition by American Express. And one example of this was with our partnership with a company called Minute Suites, as well as a partnership called uh, with the Dubai International Hotel. So both of these brands are inside security in the terminal. So Minute Suites is in various locations across the United States. And the Dubai International Hotel, as the name implies, is in the the Dubai um, International Airport. And what we were able to do was work with them on their available inventory in order to book their private rooms. And Minute Suites, as the name implies, are these little mini uh, hotel-like rooms, but micro-sized with a sofa that converts into a bed, a private works, a computer workstation, a television, Wi-Fi, very calming environment. And the Dubai International Hotel is a, is a full-scale, full-service hotel with a gym and a pool and all that good stuff. And uh, to be able to uh, book these rooms by the hour, because one thing that we found was that travelers aren't traditionally booking overnight type stays like you would in a regular hotel. And is there an opportunity to actually get more than 100% occupancy? And you can do that by renting the same room out multiple times in a 24-hour period. And you can effectively get more than 100% of the overnight room rate as a result if you're relatively efficient with this. So we proved some very, um, uh, some very good early success with that. Um, of course, then the acquisition came with American Express, but uh, with both of those providers, um, we are still offering uh, those types of services through the LoungeBuddy platform. Today. 